This episode brought to you by Michael Crate and James Husband. Special love goes out to Lee Kemp, who manages our Facebook page. If you like what you're hearing here on the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi, spelled the right way. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today. Audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. Engage. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we serve up interviews, news, and our view on the world of science fiction. Come, grab a chair, and enjoy the conversations. I think we've got an unexpected guest. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. I've got a bad feeling about it. Quiet. What? Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And we have a special guest kind of co-hosting with us tonight, author, Star Trek author, and author of many other books that we're going to hear, and some of which we're going to hear about tonight, is Michael Jan Freeman. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks, guys. How are you? Uh, We're pretty good. It's good to have you, Michael. Yeah, it's good to have you back. We've had you on before, and it's good to have you here on the show. So, oh, it's good to be here. Oh, well, thank you. Miles, what in the heck is on our menu tonight? I'm spilling coffee all over the place. Go so, ahead. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in our sci-fi world, maybe some of the things we're watching, some of the things we're reading. Uh, we're going to have a conversation with... Uh, the big man himself, yep, Michael uh, Jan Freeman. Talk about his, uh, <laughs> a little bit of his writing career and, and uh, a new project of his. And uh, we'll uh, also have... Um, Look! Look at some of the, the uh, Super Bowl trailers. We had some pretty cool Super Bowl trailers that came out uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, absolutely. And then some listener feedback. We're going to tail in there at the end. Huh? Yeah. So that's it. So let's start uh, about our uh, what's going on in our sci-fi world. Emma, can we have you? Do you want to go first for us? Sure. Um, there's not a lot for me. There's, I mean, there's Discovery, which I adore with all of my soul. Um. It has definitely delivered like there's like nobody's business, and I'm really looking forward to, um, to the finale. And I totally called it that that dude was a Klingon. Oh yeah, spoilers by the way. Um, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. It was just too easy. It was too easy and too perfect that all of the sudden he happened to be found. And I called it that uh, Draco Malfoy's dad was a bad guy all along. So I called That's it. That's right. He is Draco um, Malfoy's dad. Nice. Plus, <laughs> it just seems like that actor is wasted on like on being a protagonist. You know, <laughs> he just he just exudes this thing that you just want him to be evil. And he delivered. Um, uh, I've been watching. I think it's called Altered Carbon. I watched the first two. Oh, yeah. Episodes. And, wh- and how and was that? I didn't get a chance film, to see it. A TV show. Are you watching it? No, I want to, but I want to. I want to hear like what you think about the first couple episodes. If Demolition Man and Blade Runner were well written and watchable, it would be this TV show. You're like a, the what? new Blade. Wow, oh. Blade <laughs> Runner. You didn't. Wow. So I remember watching Blade Runner when I was 18 years old, a long time ago, and I just thought, oh my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. 
And then watching, I watched it again the like hours before we went to go see the new one. And it just kind of, it was long and it was a lot of, it wasn't thought provoking time. It was just very like, I had time for my thoughts. I, it was a slow pace. But then when I saw the second one, like it kind of matched up. Both of them are about 35 minutes too long, but the story's good. It's just told in too long of a time. And Demolition Man, I mean, Wesley Snipes, very few movies he's in that's good. But the concept of um, Prisoner being pulled out of uh, out of digital hypersleep for 200 and, after serving 250 years in a digital penitentiary because your consciousness is downloaded into a little disc. Um, fascinating. Hmm. Really fascinating. I'm very impressed. Um, I'm trying to get into Black Lightning. Is anybody watching that? I, you know what? I haven't even heard of it. So. I've heard of it. Um, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I have nothing to say because I haven't seen it yet. But I'll tell you, the trailers look great, and everybody I've spoken to liked it. It's pretty good. It's it's um, it's another addition to the CW's DC comic book um, drama world. Um, they don't give it enough time, though. It's like a twenty-eight minute. It's like a half-hour show. Okay. I think it doesn't feel like doesn't feel like a Supergirl mm. or a, an Arrow, um, which and I'm watching all of those because uh, completionist. I have to watch all the CW shows. Right. Um, I I love Supergirl. I, I actually, you know, I have to say I, I, I'm partial to the Flash. I don't actually watch that religiously, but I love Supergirl. There's just something that that combination of power and innocence and 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 it's got the Martian Manhunter, which which alone. Yeah. <laughs> which would, would make me a fan. So I'm, uh, I, I, I try to watch that. Uh, I mean, you know, I keep up with that. Right. I mean, I enjoy it. I'm getting, I get really bored when the Luthers come back into the, into the mix, but I, I like where they, I, I agree. It's really cute. It's fun. That kind of the, just that very honest, earnest superhero is very sweet. Um, and then I just watched last night, the Cloverfield Paradox, brought to you by the fine people who made Cloverfield, and um, that other one, like something Cloverfield Lane. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what they're doing, but it seems like all every these this little it's not even a trilogy, but they all have horrible creatures, and it was so good. It starts out with um. Humans on the brink of like war because we only have five years of usable fuel left. And then we've got this huge space station and they're trying to collide. They're using a, a particle collider to create um, some sort of perpetual, uh, a perpetual um, uh, energy source. And they end up throwing a Higgs boson and it crashes the wrong way. And they cross, um, they cross dimensions across each other. And it, it really, I was really excited that this was going to be some deep, fun science fiction. And it was. And then at the very end, you hear this scream that you know is something that could eat you. And it's wonderful. It's really well done. It's a Netflix paid for gig. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I do recommend it a lot. Okay. Very and good. That's basically my sci-fi world uh, the last couple of weeks. Very mm-hmm. cool. That and I'm super excited that Logan is up for Oscars. Oh, I know that was awesome. That is awesome. Uh, that conversation. But go on, Michael. How about you? Uh, what, what's going on in your sci-fi world? 
Well, you know, I, I watch Supergirl. I watch Discovery. Um, let's see. Um, I was watching Orville, um, which is both better and worse than I thought it would be. Um, I was actually developing something not a whole lot unlike it. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't have the advantage of, of being, uh, you know, uh, uh, a big name in Hollywood, so it didn't work out. So, <laughs> I, uh, but I, but I'll tell you, I kind of, you know, like I, like I say, I like it better, and I also kind of like it worse. There is some of the plots, like the like the human zoo <laughs> right. um, that we saw in the second or third episode. I mean, you know, it, it it'd be original if we hadn't seen it like eighty years ago, you know, on Twilight Zone, oh, yeah. but. Uh, but uh, you know, but there are there are certain things uh, you know I like. What's the name of the character? The um, the amorphous character, the blob, uh, the blob character. <laughs> yeah. like Norm McDonald. I like it. I'm sorry. Norm McDonald voices that. I like I like that a lot. And um, what else? I watch um, Black Mirror, um, which is usually pretty good. You know, I, they've, they've had some very good shows and some other shows that are not bad, but 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 they're never they're always worth watching. Right. So right. I'd, I'd recommend Black Mirror as well. Yeah, that's on my uh, watch list. My brother's been talking a lot about Black Mirror. So. But oh, very good. Any uh, any books you're reading right now? A reading. I'm reading the um, you know, I have to tell you, I, I don't read. This is the irony of being a, a, a writer. Um I don't read as much as I would like because I'm always writing. And, and even when I'm not physically writing, I'm thinking about writing. And, you know, I, I, I liken reading and writing at the same time to, to trying to write music while you're listening to it. Oh, that's just, true. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. Yes. Yeah. But I am, but I am, uh, uh, at, you know, at the instigation of, uh, of several people, I am, um, uh, reading the three body problem, which um, I mean I'm only a, a few pages in, but uh, but I've I've heard it's amazing. It's okay. amazing. Who's, so, who's uh, the author I'm, of that one? Oh, it's a it's a um, Chinese. Okay. Hello. Um, okay. and I and I gather it's translated by his son, maybe or okay. or I, I think it's his son. Okay. So uh, I couldn't begin to pronounce his. No, name. no, that's all right. That's all right. Miles, how about you? Uh, what's going on in your sci-fi world? Like M, I've uh, checked out Altered Carbon. Uh, I, I like the whole concept, the con- conscious tra- consciousness transfer, and that this show is um, kind of a, it's a murder mystery. So, but uh, a little dark side. So this show, this show might not be for everybody, but I'm still enjoying that. Uh, I am enjoying Flash. I gotta say, I'm kind of giving up on Arrow. Um, I just kind of feel like they've, um, I don't know. I just feel like they went to the well too often. So I was watching it the other night and I'm like, I'm just kind of watching it just to kind of keep, you know, just keep it formed, but I'm not necessarily enjoying it. So I switched it to watch something else, but I am like a flash. I am like a Supergirl, uh, agents of shield, of course, uh, star Trek discovery. And, um, Today, uh, the, the novel uh, Star Trek Discovery Drastic Measures by Dayton Ward uh, dropped. So I haven't started reading it, but I'm um, looking forward to Is it on your Kindle? It, yeah, so I'm oh, nice. looking forward to digging into that then. Oh, nice. I've heard, I've Miles, heard, do you do you I've feel heard. like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has kind of jumped 
the shark a little? They kind of have, because they had to do something different, so they, they were kind of, let's take them into a dystopian future in space. Um, I, I heard something that, that maybe the show has maybe another season or, or two, but it's, pro- it's probably winding down. Okay. Um, Michael, you were going to say something. I should tell you, I should tell you, I've heard that, uh, that the Discovery novels are great. So I recommend those uh, by um, Dave Mack and Dayton Ward. Yeah. Just on the basis of who wrote them, I'd, I'd recommend them. But uh, but they're they're really good books. So there you go. Yeah, I've, I've read the one by David Mack. Um, I was eager to get some new Star Trek, and so yeah, it was a, it was enjoyable. It brought the the crew from the Shinzel with the crew of Pike's Enterprise together. Awesome. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Wait, which Pike Enterprise? Pike Enterprise movie or Pike Enterprise TV? A uh, TV, you know, original series. Oh, cool. Got it. Cool. Well, my sci-fi world, I, I did check out um, Electric Dream, Dreams, the first episode, the one that's based on that. That is a what is it? Amazon. It's an Amazon yeah. Amazon show, and I checked out the first one of that. We actually have a tr- we actually have a uh, promo. I'm going to play with uh, Wayne Henderson as a podcast because he's a huge Philip K. Dick fan, and so it makes sense he's doing a podcast on it. We'll hear from him in a little bit. But I checked out the first episode and liked it, um, but have not made time to watch any more. Than the first episode, um, it's it, like Black Mirror in that they're each yes. episode's going to be different. They're different tales to yes. be told. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm up in the X Files. Um, it's it's X Files, and uh, I'm a completionist. I loved the X Files when it was originally on, and I've enjoyed seeing them come back and uh, the little throwbacks they give back. And I'm not here to say that it is necessarily the greatest television, but I'm really enjoying it. So I'm enjoying it. Uh, just finished watching The Circle, uh, the movie. Um, that's on, you stream that on Amazon for free, and it makes you want to throw away my cell phone. <laughs> it's one of those movies where, like, technology is inherently evil and sucks everyone in. And uh, it is Tom Hanks, Emma Watson, and uh, uh, I, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy that plays Finn in uh, Star Wars. Isn't it? Um, and, oh yeah, and it's the last. Oh, it's a, it's, the it's, and... it's Bill Pullman's last movie. Is that right, Bill Pullman? Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's it's his last movie that he did before he died, and so there was a lot of things I was looking for. Oh, and it has um, Amy Pond from uh, Doctor Who. Can't remember her name either. Oh, actress, uh, uh, Karen Gillan. Yes, so she she was in it too. So a lot of uh, a huge named cast. So I was kind of interested in it. And the story's pretty good. It's based on a novel, and I haven't read the novel so. So that and the novel I'm reading right now is I just finished Name of the Wind for the second time and began A Wise Man's Fear for the second time. So they aren't sci-fi related, but they're fantasy. And Patrick Rossis does an incredible job developing that world. So absolutely love it. So that's my sci-fi world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we move into our interview since we have Michael here on the line here. Let's let's chat with Michael a little bit about what's going on in his life. And um uh, be, be, before we get into talking about your Kickstarter and stuff, I know that Miles, you have some questions for him. Um, I thought maybe you could give uh, us a little bit of background. Sure. Um, I'll just give a short intro. Uh, I'm delighted to introduce New York Times bestselling author and uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Mr. Michael Jan Friedman. Mr. Friedman has done it all when it comes to uh, writing great sci-fi and fantasy. He's done it all, Michael. 
From Star Trek novels, tie-in movie novels, comic books, his own original fantasy stories, and his latest work uh, that was made uh, available in late December, uh, The Complete Aliens, uh, Omnibus Volume 5, Original Sin, uh, DNA War. Uh, we're going to talk about his latest project, and he's going to join us in our review of the, and, and, and react with us as we watch some of the movie trailers for the Super Bowl. Mike, uh, thanks for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Sure. My, my pleasure. Anytime, guys. Yeah, Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit, um, so some listeners might be tuning into the diner and we, we've chatted with you before, so we know a little bit about your background, but you can tell us, and Miles give you a little bit of a preamble, but, um, tell us a little bit about the writing you've done and some of the, uh, things of significance that seems to stand out for you in your writing career. Right. Well, I guess I'm, I'm, you know, I'm best known for my Star Trek work. I've written over 30 Star Trek books and, um, audio books, um, uh, short stories, um, a, uh, I have a writing credit on, um, stuff for Star Trek Voyager on, on an episode called resistance, um, which, uh, starred Joel Gray and, um, and, you know, I've also worked a little bit in, in movies on, on the after earth movie, the old faded after earth movie, <laughs> uh, with Will Smith. Um, and, uh, uh, I did that along with my friends, uh, Peter David and Bob Greenberger and, uh, altogether 76 books, 11 of them on the times bestseller list and, uh, almost 200 comic books as well. Um, wow. so, you know, I've been around, been around the block. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, and it's, for, and it's what you do full time, right? Writing. Well, actually, actually I'm also, I, I, I thought you knew this. Well, I did. You you were mentoring troubled youth. Is that right? Well, yeah. I, I also teach. I teach uh, troubled kids and more recently uh, Central American refugees. That's right. So that's right. so I spend a lot of time doing that as well. Okay, good. So it uh, keeps you busy. It does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad and, thing. So. Now, should we should we talk a little bit about the Kickstarter? Yeah, sure. Can I ask you one question before, Mike? Uh, uh, Miles has sure. a burning question for you. Go ahead, Miles. Why I, did After Earth? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I could talk about that. Go ahead. No, this, this, this will be a fun question. Uh, I guess it's, it was over the summertime that you and your, some of your fellow Star Trek writers got a chance to go up to New York and see the uh, the new Voyages uh, uh, set pieces. Uh, you had to pick the original series Star Trek. What was that like for you? Right. That was amazing, really. Uh, this is up in Saratoga, New York. Um, a guy named James Cawley has has rebuilt uh, the uh, – uh, recreated the the uh, the soundstage, um, the soundstages that were used for the original series. In the, in the config – as I understand it, in the configuration of the original setup. So, so it's an amazing thing in that you're not just going from one thoroughly authentic set to another, which would be amazing enough, but you're doing it in a sequence. So you're kind of going down that curved corridor that you always see, you know, them running down and going from, you know, uh, McCoy's quarters to Kirk's quarters, you know, the transporter room to the bridge. I mean, it's an amazing, it's a really amazing setup in any Anybody who's even vaguely interested in uh, in, uh, in Star Trek, uh, particularly the original show, should uh, should make it their business to get up to Saratoga. It's it's it, 
it's an amazing thing. You really get the feeling. I have to say I was, uh, I was choked up. <laughs> I was legitimately choked up because wow. we were at one point, uh, there was a whole bunch of us writers who were, who were invited up there. Um, at once there were probably, I don't know, 15 of us. And, uh, and we were sitting around the bridge in a, in a circle and it's a full bridge. It's a full bridge set. And, um, and we were being interviewed and, and the things we were saying and the, and, and just sitting on the bridge of the enterprise, hanging out on the bridge of the enterprise, you know, sitting at the top level with my legs dangling near the floor of the second level was just such a, an amazing experience. And I kept thinking, you know, back to, you know, the, the little kid who was watching Star Trek when it first came out. Um, and, and I never would have imagined that I'd ever be in that kind of situation or, or having done the things I've done. So it was really a, 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 an emotional experience. Wow. I'm surreal. I, I know that for me, that's, that's definitely a bucket list uh, thing I want to do. I definitely want to go see that sometime. You have to get up there, and it's on Lake George, which which is a you know a nice lake and, and a huge lake. So um, you know you can make it a whole vacation. Right. So now is this is this is this open to the public that you know you can go up? Do you have to make a prior arrangements? I mean, what's how do they do that? I I don't think you have to make prior arrangements. I I, I think pretty much you show up, you buy your ticket, and you go in. Um, it wouldn't hurt. I guess it wouldn't hurt to call. I don't want to mislead anyone, right, right. particularly if they're traveling from afar. But uh, but it's certainly open to the public. That's the that's the whole point of it. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, he's running like a museum now. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Someday and the props. He has great props. He's either either acquired the original props or created um, uh, simul- uh, 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 um simulated props that are just so authentic. It makes you want to. You know, it makes your mouth drop. Oh, that's awesome. So shifting gears here, you, you talked about the fact that you've written almost over 200 comic books. My understanding is that the Kickstarter you're doing plays into that sort of love for you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your Kickstarter? Sure. Um, um, lately, over the last several years, I've been doing just books. There was there was a time when I did a lot of comics, uh, mostly for DC, but also for Marvel and other publishers. And um, for DC, uh, the two major major runs I had were on Star Trek: The Next Generation. I had a seven year run on that, and uh, and I also um, created a superhero book called Dark Stars, which ran for over three years. Um, and those were both, uh, you know, both uh, amazing and, and gratifying experiences. And I loved working for DC. And uh, so it's been a while since since I wrote um, much in the way of comics. And uh, and and frankly, it's been a while since I I I've done uh, anything similar to Star Trek, any kind of soap opera. And so I had both the, both those itches to scratch, <laughs> and I decided to scratch simultaneously. Uh, with uh, with something called Empty Space. This is a it's a it's a it's a space opera, and it and it's not terribly unlike Star Trek, but with some macabre twists to it. So I kind of, you know, for lack of a more precise uh, description, I I usually say it's a cross between Star Trek and Lost. Now now I have to say I've given I've actually given some thought to where it's going. So in that sense, it's dissimilar 
from yeah. Lost. <laughs> yeah, but that would be that's as uh, uh, probably as good a working description as any. And and uh, um, I'm running a Kickstarter campaign for it right now. I'm about two thirds of the way through. There's um, ten ten days and seven minutes left, and uh, we're about two thirds of the way to our goal. Uh, but we can use all the help we can get. No, absolutely. Um, uh, empty space. It's a really, um, it's, it's not just what I hope I can say is a, is a, is a well-written book with a lot of twists and turns and, and, and unexpected, uh, directions, but, um, it's also beautifully rendered. The, um, there's a guy named Caio Cacao who's become a friend of mine and he's, um, he's a Brazilian. Uh, he lives in Sao Paulo and, um, uh, He's a magnificent artist. Uh, he he does the pencils, inks, and at least for the first couple of um, first couple of issues, he's also doing the colors. And um, he's amazing. He, he's been doing uh, my my book covers for six or about six, six years now, I think. Okay. Uh, and I knew he wanted to do comics, and and so this is an opportunity for us to work together in, in that medium as well. Wow. Well, that's because everything Brazilian is amazing. <laughs> M. I'm, I'm half Brazilian. <laughs> you are. Well, there you go. There you go. go. Do you know? Do you know Kyle? Personally, no. No. Um, there are what, like ten million people in Sao Paulo or something like that. <laughs> on, on one corner of Sao Paulo, yeah, just bare, like in ten percent of the city, it's 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 a huge footprint. It's crazy. Um, I. I I've been kind. Of, I don't know of his work, but now I'm, my interest is peaked. Yeah, he's a, he's he's also a great guy, as a matter of fact, and a, and a and a real professional. But this is a chance. He's he's a he does uh, painted covers and um, and just amazing uh, line work and colors in the interior and and it's a really I'm really proud of this. It's a great project and 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 you know at this point in my career I don't want to deliver anything that's not short of amazing right. uh, because why what's the point right. um i i uh i, I really want to give readers my best and and he's doing and he's doing his best so it, it you know it's a project we're both proud of and um if you're a fan of star trek or star wars something along that spectrum uh i think um i think you'll definitely like it and um, but it's different. Don't expect it to be exactly like Star Trek. Right. The the artwork I'm looking Definitely. at. I'm scrolling down through your Kickstarter page, and the artwork is absolutely amazing. So. Yeah, these are very beautiful illustrations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, you know, in working in comics, one thing I've I've almost always found is that you know you write a script, and and I write full script, so it's it's very much like a movie script. And um, and you have something in mind and and you really don't want the artist to diverge from it. And then, of course, the artist diverges from it. <laughs> and, and you go, oh, what, what, what? And then you see it and you go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> he had so much, so much. His idea was so much better than mine. <laughs> uh, and 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 Kaya is certainly the kind of artist that that does that over and over again. So. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it's it, one of the things that's great about working in comics is it's so collaborative. 
you know, you're working with a penciler and an inker. In this case, it's the same guy, but, it, you know, very often it's not. And a colorist who, who might also who might be a third person and a letterer who's a fourth and the editor and you. And it's, it's a real team effort as compared with um, uh, writing a novel, which which I also enjoy. But it's really good to go back and forth because writing a novel is such a solitary mm. um, uh, enterprise and, and, and it's good in some ways, but a, a steady diet of it, uh, you know, before you know it, you're Jack Nicholson in The Shining. So go ahead, Em. When you bring all these people together and you have, I mean, this is your, this is your baby. This is what's come out of, this is the, the, the story and the passion and there's the movie in your head of how, everything comes together um, working with, with all of these extra people. What's the process that allows you to be able to make sure that everyone's got the same vision with you or, you know, can, how, how are you working together with him in Sao Paulo and you here and everybody's kind of all over the place, but with the unified vision like this, it's got to, it, there's got to be some sort of special connection or communication or, or just magic. Well, you know, there is magic. Um, uh, I, I think on, on one hand, my script is very complete. So, so if, if Kayo is going to diverge from what I have in mind, at least he, he understands what I have in mind. So mm. if he does it, he's, he's doing it in an informed way. Um, but you know, it's a little like, it's a little like work in the trapeze. You know, when when you go flying through the air, you won't want to know that the guy who's supposed to catch you is going to be there to catch you um, before you take that that leap of faith. And uh, so you have to know who you're working with. Um, I, I remember when I was working um, on a series called Dark Stars that I that I, I created for, for at D.C., um, my editor was a guy named Brian Augustine and um uh, Brian had a very light hand when it came to editing, and and he always said, you know, listen, if you pick the right horses, you can let them run. So I I, I always you know I, I remember that, and and but you got to pick the right horses. So I think in you know that's a that's a careful decision, um, but you know you uh, it's a team, and you have to uh, you have to have uh, faith in the other team members, but you have to know who they are to begin with. And you know what they're uh, what they're capable of, and uh, and and they have to buy into your your vision. Hmm. Hmm. Mike, have uh, you had to um, like a- after your artist has rendered some of these pictures, and you notice not in a malicious way, but you know it's kind of deviates a little from what you had intended. Have you gone back and maybe changed your script a little to kind of reflect that? Or, or, sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes I've, I've changed the script a little if, if, if it doesn't alter, you know, where we're ultimately headed or, uh, or but more likely I'll say to him, you know, mm, this is, you know, this, this thing, you know, you know, there's a language barrier. Uh, Cayo's a bright guy and, and I speak a little Spanish, but that's not exactly Portuguese. So there is a language barrier. I, I'll give you an example. We, um, um, I have at one point, I, I say, the, this, this uh, crewman rips his helmet off his head. And he, he literally had him rip the helmet off his head, like tear it apart. 
and and I was thinking, well, that's not exactly what I had in mind. It, it kind of worked actually under the circumstances. But what I meant is is in a colloquial way. You know, he 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 takes the helmet and and removes it forcibly, not actually tears it in half. But his his uh, translation, his literal translation of of tears the helmet off his head is that he ripped it in half. So I, okay. I we have additional we have that additional uh, um, uh, challenge between us uh, because of the language uh, oh, barrier. No yeah. You need M to step in there as a translator. Yeah, 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 M. Well, you need it more than just a tra- I mean translating you can you can translate on Google. But what you need is an interpreter, someone who can take hear what you're saying and make sure that the same sentiment is delivered on the other side. And as it would be fun, it actually would be a whole lot of fun given I had love comic books and I read a lot of DC. I read a lot of Marvel. I have some independent books to the point where my comic book shop hand delivers my bundle, my folder to me every month. They leave it on my front step. No kidding! Wow. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> it's it's a line item on my on my on my TurboTax. I'm trying to figure out how to put it on my taxes oh, there you for go. research. Yeah, but, research for the Sci-Fi Diner, right? <laughs> exactly. Sure, Mister IRS. Yeah. Um, it's that. Like that's that's kind of what I was was wondering because it's you really you're not just translating verbatim. You're there's a sentiment. And uh, there, there's there's feeling behind it that has to get communicated and and transferred from one language to the other. Um, I'll, I'll and, give you an example. I'll give you an example of that. I, you know, I, I, as I said, I teach these Central American kids, and they were playing uh, softball, and uh, and and I was trying to tell them with two outs, there's no reason not to run. You know, you don't have to, you're not tagging up with two outs, so just run. And I was going necesita correr, necesita correr. And they were laughing at me. And I said, why? Why are they laughing? And what I'm saying is you need to run. But but what they're saying is, you know, what they told me afterwards is you need to say tiene que correr. You have to run. It's a, it's mm-hmm. as compared with you have the existential need to run. So so uh, there is a <laughs> difference. It's it, it's not you can't translate it literally. <laughs> but, but, you know, Caio and I, as, as you do, you know, Caio and I speak, you know, comic book. So, so generally when I give him directions, he intuitively knows what I'm up to and, and he'll either render that faithfully or he'll improve on it. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm always, I'm always amazed that not everybody speaks comic book. You know, it, you know, you, you do get people who, who look at a comic and can't figure out what order to read the captions and the, and the dialogue balloons in it, it, it always, you know, it, it, that comic book literacy is a thing. Well, you know, it, it's it's not something everybody has. Which which brings me to 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 you know another another point. Um, I I think that you know, and based on based on writing prose as well as comics, I think there's a a, a science fiction and comic book, maybe two different things, reading talent. I think. I think not everybody reads science fiction or fantasy because they're missing that that um, science fiction readers gene. 
you know, and the and this a similar thing that that enables me to write these things um, enables certain people to read them mm. and to envision uh, and understand what you know what what we're we're putting down. So um, I think there's actually a, a, a talent, an overlooked talent, among readers. Hmm. Like imagination is not something. Imagination is something you can encourage. I feel like those who dive into science fiction, there it it's such food for your imagination. Like I find myself sometimes I go to the bookstore and my brain is starving to go somewhere. And I find something that I can consume instantaneously, and and then my my head starts spinning with all these amazing things. So it's it's finding the people who crave that that flavor of text and that flavor of of adventure, and who can wrap their head around it conceptually, like and understand. Well, this is fiction, but this is fiction on a whole new level, and I dig that. I I feel like it's more of a if it, it's more of a nature than a nurture, I feel it's more a nurture than a nature. Like, mm. I, I think you can teach people to like, to like science fiction. We could have this is a this is a, that's another neat topic. Yeah, it nature is. Debate. We got to put a pin in that one. Nature or nurtures of yeah. science fiction. <laughs> nature or nurture science fiction. Yeah. But I, but I feel like the reader is meeting you maybe twenty five percent of the way. I, I think you know even even great. Science fiction. I feel like they're only going three quarters of the way, and and the reader has to meet them out there on on the Rainbow Bridge somewhere. Right. Do you think some readers have a hard time suspending disbelief? Yeah, I don't know. I think suspending disbelief is probably an oversimplification. I think yeah. suspending disbelief sounds passive. I think it's an active, an active thing. I, I think that reader is is actually creating. Along with the, along with the writer, and and in this case the artist as well. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's an active participation in the act of creation. Interesting. You know, it's 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 funny you say that because I, I think about when I'm I'm teaching the science fiction literature course at school, and and um, you know one of the things that I uh, think about as I teach this is that science fiction brings so much to the table. And challenges us as humanity in ways that realistic fiction doesn't, because it looks at us and says, "Here's where we are. Here's where we could go. Both, both the beautiful and the terrible, and the things that we need to be cautious about." And um, and I think sometimes uh, people aren't willing to hear that. Maybe they don't want to hear it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, or or they're or they're just not talented enough to hear it oh, there you go it's a talent <laughs> you know, they don't have that they don't have that 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 creative gene that enla- yeah. enables them to tap into it yeah uh, see i'm gonna go back like feel like there's a there's a nurture part of that like uh. i love music i am terrible at it but i mm. love it and i can still listen to it and appreciate it and want it and still sound like crap when i try and play an instrument the talent isn't there, but the love and the appreciation is because of how my parents raised me and the people around me who introduced me to, to different sides of music. Hmm. It's funny because my wife is not a science fiction person, but, but she absolutely adores Back to the Future. 
uh, was a huge X Files fan. Loved loved Firefly when it was on, and uh, so there's elements that connect to her depending on mm. what it is. Um, so she would not consider herself a lover of sci-fi, but there are certain mm. elements that do resonate, and so it's uh, it's just, and so I think and like there's people that are like genre like superhero movies obviously fit we would say fit the sci-fi element um and there's people that watch them and they don't go for other sci-fi so i think i think there are those that embrace everything there's those that maybe just embrace maybe a little piece of it i don't know mm-hmm. yeah 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 maybe maybe you you're receptive to certain styles and certain notes yeah. and maybe not all yeah i don't know yeah i don't know anyways Good, 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 good conversations uh, about yep. the world of sci-fi. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, before we before we move on into talking about some of the Super Bowl commercials, if people want to come and say, you know what, I like this idea. Empty space seems exciting. I want to check out the artwork. Um, where can we send them? Uh, what you do um, uh, is, uh, I mean, you know, I can give you the link uh, later on, but um, but uh, we'll put it in the show notes. You but. Too. What you do, yeah, what you would do is go to uh, Kickstarter, and where it has that little uh, search uh, magnifying glass thing, uh, just put in "empty space" two separate words, yeah, okay. and it'll take you right to the "empty space" campaign, yeah. um, where you see a beautiful painted image uh, by Kayo, and you'll be able to watch a video where I make a fool of myself, which <laughs> is uh, re- remarkably easy to do, yeah. and. Uh, um, and it'll be entertaining in any case, and and hopefully you'll uh, you'll look at the rewards that that sit on the right side of the page as you scroll down, and uh, and you'll find one that's that's right for you. They start at uh, eight dollars, and uh, go up go up to some very substantial rewards. But yeah. um, but there should be really something for anybody anybody who's into science fiction or fantasy or uh, or comic books awesome. uh, should certainly find. Thing there. Awesome. Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing about the Kickstarter. I, I did watch the video. I didn't think you made a fool yourself. The Orioles shirt <laughs> looks nice, though. I'm just kidding. There's no Orioles shirt. Orioles shirt? No. <laughs> no. 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 Come on. Hours of therapy. Don't. Don't. Don't remind me. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Well, before we move into talking about um, the, some of the commercials that we saw that dropped during the Super Bowl. Let's uh let's uh we're gonna play a promo here. This is from our good friend Wayne Henderson, who over the years we've touched base with him. He was a huge fringe fan, had a fringe podcast, uh, and now is running this Electric Dreams podcast. And um and he might be co hosting with someone and I uh, just don't remember. He, I think he didn't mention it, but we're gonna play the promo for the show. So if you are a lover of electric dreams and want just more than what the show is giving you and want to get into the nuances and discuss the show. This is a fantastic podcast for you. Journey into the endless realities of your mind with the electric dreams podcast. From the genius of Philip K. Dick comes a series of short stories adapted for the small screen by a creative team, including Ronald D. Moore and Brian Cranston. And each episode of the anthology series will be dedicated to one of Philip K. Dick's stories. 
This series will expand the realm of possibility beyond the realm of reality and make one take a deeper look into their own existence. Join Wayne and Steve on Electric Dreams Podcast on Golden Spiral Media. All right, we're back. So uh, some of us watched the Super Bowl, right? And some of us watched yeah. the Puppy Bowl, and some of us just watched the commercials. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so uh, commercials that dropped. Is there any uh, particular commercial that kind of st- we can take these in any order? There were a bunch of commercials that dropped. Any one that uh, we want to discuss first? I liked uh, I liked the uh, Fire and Ice. Oh yeah, the Doritos Mountain Dew commercial. Lannister for the win. I think it was good. I mean, they. I will tell you, the hot Doritos. I remember that. Was the other? What was the other thing? It was like ice. It's Mountain Dew right. ice, yeah. Mountain Dew? That yeah. is, yeah, I can't remember. That's not good for the, from uh, advertising standpoint. No, no. <laughs> I do remember uh, guys there who, who had prominent roles in science fiction and fantasy uh, uh, um, shows. So um, that was, and, you know, and, and again, you know, that, that idea of a serious actor making a fool of himself is, is always appealing. <laughs> it is, and uh, Dinklage did an incredible job. Mm-hmm. He, he's the man. He uh, is. I mean, uh, this the yeah. space pants. Space pants. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's an amazing dramatic actor, mm-hmm. and some of the stuff he's done is just hilarious. But he's 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 been very selective with his. He's been even in the beginning when he was just starting to act. Like if you've seen the station agent, that's a phenomenal film and a little dark. Very sweet, um, but really a breakout for him, and people really started to notice. And he could pick the stuff he wanted, and I, I love that he picks crazy bat poop, crazy stuff, and <laughs> is willing to go to to stretch himself. I have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's great. He's great. Multi, multi talented. Like a lot of people in Hollywood, you know, you think. What a great actor! What a great actor! And then it turns out he can sing, he can dance, oh, he can, know. you know, spin plates on sticks. You know, they all have m- many more talents than you would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, it was a very entertaining commercial. Not necessarily a trailer, but a uh, but I think a geeky commercial nonetheless. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and Morgan Freeman does a great job of lip syncing uh, to Missy Elliott. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That is something I would like to see. I have not seen these. Yeah. And that's an amazing Missy Elliott song. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I would like to see Morgan Freeman get his freak on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did. He, he certainly did. <laughs> he, he certainly did. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of one of my favorites was the, the solo a Star Wars story. So you want to make a difference? Yeah. Trust me, you're going to love it. And which branch are you interested in joining? I'm going to be a pilot. Best in the galaxy.
your name? Hello. The trailer for that, absolutely. I, I mean, I was stoked hearing that Ron Howard was directing it. Uh, and I know there wasn't, the people were a bit worried because there was no trailer and it's coming out in May. Um, but uh, I feel like. May of 2018? Yes. Yep. No. Yes. Wow. Yep. You have a Star Wars movie to afford today. Yes. That's some serious ovaries they're dropping there. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. So I'm. Um, I, I I was I was kind of stoked, and it, and he seemed to be following. I was talking to Dave Sellers, who we've talked about in the show before. He's a custodian at my school, but he listener of the podcast, and we we're just talking about how this this story of Solo again, what we get from the trailer, seems to be faithful to the backstory that Lucas has developed in the extended universe, the original extended universe before Disney took over, where he like he's part of he joins up with the Empire, that doesn't seem to work out. Um, he like he, he he joins the academy. Yeah, he joins the academy. Right. Yeah. That's and, definitely borrowed from the novels. Yeah, so definitely it's part of it. So this seems to be faithful, and uh, I mean it's hard to tell, uh, you know, how Lando and how he's going to portray, you know, Harrison, you know, channel Harrison Ford through his acting, but um, but I have hopes. Oh, I, I'm very cautiously optimistic. It's going to be very good. I mean. The look of the film respects what came on before. This fits nicely with what ha- you know the look of the original Star Wars movies, but still with today's technology and make those visual effects. Uh, but the actor who was playing Han Solo, I thought what little I saw, kind of you know I thought I was listening to Harrison Ford a little bit. Yeah. Did he speak at all? He didn't speak at all. He did. Oh, he did in the trailer. Recruiter asks him what he wants to do, and he says, oh, "I think I want to be a pilot." Oh yeah, that's right, that's best right. pilot in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that it'll it'll be good. You, you know, it's hard to do prequels. You know, as, as we've seen the Star Wars uh, those uh, not too long ago, and repeatedly. But uh, but um, in this case, I think it'll work because because there's room for an adventure there. Even though you know he doesn't die, and even though you know Lando doesn't die. And uh, and and it doesn't have any major impact on events. Um, I think it'll uh, there, there's room there for a cool adventure and and a lot of ironies, a lot of things to bounce off. Oh yeah, um, I agree. And is this is different than like the, the 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 prequels or the or as M calls them the fan fiction films, um, because they are. Um, this is like a one-off. This is a backstory to a particular character, and we aren't necessarily following the Skywalker line through it. Um, and we know that they can do prequels because they pulled off Rogue One very well. And, uh, probably, you know, potentially one of my favorite Star Wars movies out of all of them. Well, that's because Disney knows how to tell a story. Exactly. So there is hope. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Disney knows how to tell a story. Lucas knows how to make money. (laughs) He could tell a story before, but he knows a cash cow. And after watching the documentary about um, Kenner and um, the rise and fall of Kenner um, with the Star Wars toys that they created um, because and the process that they had to go through with Lucas, it just made me despise the prequels even more. Oh, okay. <laughs> just yeah. 
I'm so it was such a relief when Disney bought bought out this catalog and this storyline and yeah. they I, I have faith. I have faith that they know what they're doing. Do you think that Lando's any many chlorians in him? Oh shut up. <laughs> I'm gonna midi chlorian you in a minute. <laughs> I think he might have some mini midi chlorians in it. Uh, there we go. Yeah, but there's an ointment for his kind of midi Because <laughs> oh, he's such a scoundrel. <laughs> yeah, but he has game, though. He does. He does. But he can't hang on to the Falcon. He loses that. But, Is uh, there – Do you, are we going to – are we getting a Lando in this film? Oh, yeah. What? Uh, which which – um, I understand it's, we are. It's, yeah, we are. And it's um, – Oh, he's 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 a son of Dan's on Washington, right? No, 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 that's not it. He's a son of a famous actor. Uh, Glover, Glover. Um, oh, Dan Glover. Oh, I yeah, love yes. him. He's amazing. Yeah. <gasps> yes, yeah. a thousand times yes. Yeah. To quote Jane Austen, there you a thousand go. times yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Danny Glover was in the Lethal Weapon movies and is a little too ripe for the role of young Lando. He is. He is. He is. You know, they can do this reverse aging they do with Schwarzenegger in the uh, Terminator movies. Maybe they can do that with him. Actually, can we put a pin in? Aren't aren't they doing another Terminator film? Yes. uh, um, Cameron's going to do what he calls a, a, a sequel to Terminator 2. Yeah, the, uh, the other Terminator movies in his mind don't exist. <laughs> it's his own fault. He sold the rights for a buck, so he has nothing to complain about. Oh my stars and garters! Okay, sorry. <laughs> let's go back. <laughs> All right. So, uh, other trailers here that we uh, want to talk about. Um, uh, it was it was a Lexus commercial, but it has you know Black like, Panther. But the Black Panther movie has me excited. <laughs> Vibranium secured. Well done, my king. Is my ride ready? Of course, big brother. But you have to hurry. Show off. Experience luxury performance that takes the crown. Presenting the all-new Lexus LS 500. Long live the king. I have my tickets for... Next Thursday. Yeah, it looks great. It looks great. I mean, you know, they they respected the material, the comic book material. And, and when you do that, it, it's, it, it, you really have to work hard to screw it up once you make that decision. You know, anytime they respect the material, they're going to, you know, and, and there's a reason that the characters come this far. Uh, they're going to have a good movie. I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. I mean, what, what little we saw him in Captain America: Civil War, I liked, and so I'm optimistic that the, his his origins movie should be good too. Yeah. So if we're talking about uh, the Marvel Universe, Avengers: Infinity Wars, they dropped a. I don't know if it was a drop or just an extension of a trailer that we had seen already. It wasn't an entirely new trailer for us. Uh, did we find out anything right. new in that trailer? Did it drop anything that we didn't know before? Uh, hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. You know, you know who the villain is. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, not n- nothing really monumental. I did not know that we were getting another Mission Impossible movie. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, 
I wonder, did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout of all your good intentions. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. How many times has Hunt's government betrayed him, disavowed him, cast him aside? How long before a man like that has had enough? Ethan, that's not who we are. Maybe we need to reconsider that. So, how is he? Oh, you know, same old Ethan. I find it best not to look. I know it's not really sci-fi, maybe spy-fi as they call it. But I'm, I'm what what <laughs> What was that? Really? Yes. Another it's a I, I'm stammering. I'm Yeah. yeah. I've really? always I've always appreciated is it, them. Is please tell me it's a prequel with a whole new No, it's not. cast. No, no. Even uh, we even have um Ugh. yeah, it's Scotty from the new Star Trek's in it again, so. Simon Pegg? Yeah. 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 Well, he's been in it. He was in the last two. Yeah. I guess Scientology's midi-chlorians have made him strong enough to do another one. Yeah, he is. You know, a, Scientology thing too. Oh, Who? my stars. <laughs> But um, anyway, <laughs> no, but it, it actually it looks it looks pretty fantastic. What Alec Baldwin's in it, um, and um, they're just it's, it's it seems like a pretty solid cast. So I don't know. I I always in, people dog and cruise, and I understand why they do. But I do I do guiltily enjoy the Mission Impossible movies, most of them. So, well, there was that one he did. Cruise did. Um, but live, die, repeat. Oh yeah, that was um, that was based on a novel. But I know which one you're talking. That about. That was interesting. I, li- I like that movie. That was interesting. I watched Jack Reacher you, recently. You know, Go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, there's a scene. Sorry, there's a great scene in a book called Inside Star Trek, which which if you have if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't read it, you certainly should. And um, uh, they've just sold. Um, Mission Impossible and Star Trek on the same 
day, like consecutive days. And there's a meeting at Desi Lu um, with um, uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz and uh, and their lawyers and uh, and the and they're trying to tell them we've just sold these two great you know concepts for television and the lawyers are going eh, well, you know it's it's hour long Lucy you don't really do hour long it's serious it's adventure you don't really do that stuff why don't you just stick to the nice stuff that you do you know the half hour sitcoms and Desi's going yeah well maybe we should and Lucy goes nope. We're going to give this stuff a shot. Can you imagine if she had said, yeah, you're probably right. We'd mm. never have an impossible and we'd never have Star Trek. Wow. How different the world would have been. If no not, Lu- Lucille Ball is a, is a hero. There you we, go. We, we owe a debt of gratitude to Lucille Ball. We do. We do indeed. For, for not just for all the great work she's done, but for that decision. Oh, yeah. You know, stand up uh, in that meeting um, back in the in the 60s, still a woman, you know, a, a well-respected woman, but a woman in a man, what was much more a man's world in those days, and say, no, I think, I think we'll do it. Hmm. Very cool. I don't, I don't know that I knew that, or maybe I did hear that. I have a vague recollection of having heard that somewhere along the line, but that's awesome. I, I know she was a huge proponent of Star Trek, but I didn't know she was a huge proponent of Mission Impossible also. Yeah, so. very cool. Yeah. Uh, other things that dropped, let's see, we have a Amazon's doing a uh, Jack Ryan series, which isn't really sci-fi. Let's see, Westworld Season 2 trailer. Look at this world. This beautiful world. We built this world together. A world where dreams come true. A world where you can be free. But this world is a lie. That trailer was amazing. That actually looked more interesting than the the first season to me. Yeah, that was amazing. I I didn't know I didn't know they were going to use the same cast. Um, I I thought maybe they would introduce new new you know artificial folks, but uh, but I guess they're using the same the same actors. It seems like it. And but I think the song and the way it was filmed, and you're like, it, it makes me want to watch it. I did not watch the first season of Westworld. Em, did you watch Westworld? I want to say that you did. Yes. 
I loved the movie a million years ago with Yul Brenner. I loved the concept of it. It was, um, it, it's one of those things where like, I would love to be able to go on vacation and live in a world that was completely different than mine. So it's, it's an attractive premise. And the first couple episodes, you're just kind of watching and wondering like, this is, I don't really know what's going on. And it feels a little voyeuristic. Um, being on the couch because it goes a little, it goes more than just dark. It, it, it almost gets visceral. It, and, and just understanding the, what's happening to the AI and not understanding what's happening to the AI. And then you find out who is actually AI and the moment of self-realization and, um, and self-preservation for, and it's, you know, partially a Western, which is also awesome. Um, I I loved it. I loved it. I loved how creepy it was. I loved that some episodes would give me nightmares. <laughs> Great. Well, there you go. And Anthony Hopkins. There's very little that he's done that's, you know, and, not quality. And Ed, is, Ed, is Ed Harris in it too? Yeah. He's in it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's deliciously evil. Those guys, <laughs> those guys could be good someday. They, yeah, they might make it. They've got it. They've got a future, I think. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The they... dude who plays Cyclops in the good X file uh, X Men movies. Poor guy dies like in every episode. Yeah, yeah right. James... He must have a nudity clause. Like he must get extra bump pay for he and the 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 lead female AI. Like she's she's fifty percent not clothed. So the two of them had better be making a lot of money. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I'm sure. I'm certainly sure he is, and probably by now she is too. Because if they wanted her back, they had to they had to pay her. Oh, I'm sure. She's a great actress. She was in Mission Impossible. Yeah, oh, she was. Yeah, she is terrific. Yeah, I like the potential of this. This is, and we saw that in the first season, it, the the android is having to basically be there to amuse the guests and the, to amuse the guests uh, dark fantasies of getting killed, having sex with, raped, just lots of, I mean the androids were treated horribly and I, I, I think they're really pissed off and I think they're really going to uh, um, express how, how mad they are in, in this season. Little what it looked like. I mean, we, 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 there's been other sci-fi genres that explored the machines going after the human race. And this could be interesting. This is why I don't own an Alexa. <laughs> that and after watching the Super Bowl commercial, you don't want one either. No, I'm just kidding. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really Frankenstein. You know, it's really, you know, you created these things and now they're more than you thought they would be. And, and now they're coming back to destroy uh, your world and, and intrude into your reality. And, you know, it's 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 the it's one of the one of the main themes in science fiction and one of the oldest ones. Right. Right. Well, it sounds like I will have to check out the show sometime. I just don't know when I'm going to do it, but. It uh, definitely sounds interesting, and the premise sounds interesting. So, yeah. Well, um, it's worth the time. Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, I, I will have to check it out. And uh, that is a um, is that an HBO show? Yes. 
HBO show. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, something else to add to my watch list. <laughs> mm. So, well, it's just fine. Well, I, I believe that's it for the sake of time. Is there any other commercial? I mean, Jurassic World, but I don't think it was much of a new trailer. I'd seen a trailer for that before. They did a. They did another. Like we talked about, um, that Jeff Goldblum did a Jurassic uh, Park spoof uh, with a Jeep commercial. That was kind of cool, but I heard about that. Yeah. So, and, and there was one for Cloverfield. We talked about that earlier, and uh, well, that's. For Cloverfield, for Cloverfield, the Cloverfield Paradox, the one I saw, yeah, it was really good. I really yeah. think you should watch it. Yeah, I've just never gotten into the Cloverfield series. Period. So this one's much more sci-fi than monster movie. Okay, I'll take your word it, for it. I would give it a shot. Well, maybe I will. The way you described it, maybe I'll have to look after yeah. the first episode a shot. Yeah. Worst well, case scenario, I owe you an hour and a half of your life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Well, I think, <laughs> I think that's about it as far as uh, trailers go. And we do have listener feedback, but I figured that uh, we would let Mike go. Mike, thank you so much. Can I call you Mike? Do you want to go by Mike? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I prefer Mike. So oh, oh, you do? Good. Um, so, uh, But we just appreciate having you on the show, chatting with us about the commercials and just about different geeky stuff that we kind of rabbit trailed on and obviously talking about your uh, Kickstarter and all the work that's going into the to bringing comics, original comics to life and the chance for us to kind of participate in that. And, um, and I just uh, grateful that you came on and just shared that with us. I'm grateful that you gave me the the opportunity to to share it. So, yeah. uh, you know, please, folks out there, you know, check out check out the Kickstarter campaign for Empty Space. There are ten days left, or a little less than that now, and um, and we need all the help we can get. For God's sake, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Empty Space, just go to Kickstarter, type in Empty Space in the search function, and you will find it. So, so uh, thanks again for joining us on the show. Oh, my pleasure. See you later, guys. Yeah, Mike, it was a lot of fun having you on. So we had an email from Floyd Salazar, and uh, um, he's been into the show before. It's been a while, but it's been great to have him uh, right back in. And he wanted to comment on some of the Oscar stuff we were talking about, because the last show we were... Uh, M was here living like tirelessly through the emails that, and uh, the stuff that she sent me. <laughs> and we talked about the Oscars last time and he wanted to chime in. And so here's what he says. Hello, M, Miles and Scott. Floyd in Colorado here. And it's been a while, but I wanted to chime in after listening to the latest episode first. And most importantly, I continue to enjoy your show observations and chemistry. Second, please see my thoughts remarks through this lens. I am a huge sci-fi genre fiction fan. I have custom-made X-Wing fighter pilot helmet on my desk at work. I have an R2-D2 candy car in my office and a shield patches on my man purse. Lastly, please forgive my terrible spelling. Um, M, forgive him, all right? Um, and I wanted to weigh in on... <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to weigh in on genre film and its relationship to the Oscars. Take it away, M. Some Oscar facts. A film must be submitted to the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences for Oscar consideration. Uh, it must meet a bunch of inclusion criteria, must be greater than 40 minutes long, shown to paying customers 
in a theater in Los Angeles County for seven consecutive days and on and on. Uh, no submission, no consideration. Um, it also, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences is made up of around 7,000 film industry professionals. These 7,000 members are folks that vote on the films that win the Oscars. The Academy is divided into 17 sections, directors, actors, editors, costume designers, etc. These members vote on the Oscar nominees and the winners within their particular sections. Directors vote for directors, writers vote for writers, etc. One exception is the best picture. All voting members can vote for the best picture. Um, In order to be eligible for membership in the Academy, one must be invited by the Academy and be sponsored by two established Academy members within one's particular section. If you've been nominated for an Oscar, you can skip the invitation bit, but you still need two sponsors. While the Academy keeps its membership secret, the organization has been widely, widely criticized for being largely made up of elderly white men. Preach, brother. That's right. <laughs> um, sorry, that part was mine. <laughs> no, right, right. That, Floyd did not write that in. All this to say, a film's commercial success, popular appeal, thematic content, or impact on culture have nothing to do with whether or not it wins any Oscars. That See, sucks. That does suck because you would think that some of that has to play a role. Yeah, but it, you, you would think – these these movies that we we know and love, I think that should get some recognition. I mean, it, it de- it's definitely in a in a theater in Los Angeles County for longer than seven days. I mean, these a lot of these movies are big box office, uh, right? You know, um, money makers. But there, I I did not know near all this criteria that he's listing here. No, I'm getting education here. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, uh, Fred, for educating us on this because I didn't know. um, Did you know all this? I I knew about the submission process, um, that it was super finicky and super picky. I didn't realize that to get into the Academy, it had to be all this super double secret um, handshake, and you have to be sponsored, which explains a lot. It explains it why it does the the why the organization is predominantly, you know, an older generation of gentlemen of a specific yeah race. Right. It's a whole bunch of old white dudes who keep like every year. I watch the Oscars and I get mad, and I I I want. I don't know. I maybe, maybe, it's maybe. very frustrating to see amazing work out there and none of it gets recognized at all. It just, it just maybe, maybe we just need to put less importance on the Oscars. I mean, they are kind of this build up thing, and like if you win an Oscar, that's a huge thing. But so many movies are bypassed. Mm. Yeah, maybe the Oscars are becoming irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, or a relic of the, times. But right. Yeah. Well, we still have part of his email to read. Why don't you? Why don't we finish up, Miles? Go ahead. Uh, I agree with Miles' remarks. Thanks. That uh, science fiction doesn't have the same degree of legitimacy as non-genre films. The same prejudice against science fiction is held against fantasy as well. Where I would challenge you guys a bit is saying that while it is an unfair judgment, there are very few genre films that are good movies, at least not by any measurement used by the Academy. Oscar winners are picked by movie makers, not moviegoers. 
The problem with the vast majority of genre film is it's often rehashed and re- recycled material and prioritizes uh, uh, spectacle. spectacle over story and characters over characters. The reason Galaxy Quest and Spaceballs are so good is they brilliantly lambast all the science fantasy tropes. Creators of genre fiction are caught in a catch-22. They can't really make anything new or creative because the cost of making anything is so astronomically high that they did make something really groundbreaking and nobody saw their movie, it would end their careers. Genre films have to have widespread marketable appeal in order just to make their money back. So creators fall back on tried and true tropes and cliches so the financiers are comfortable writing the, the ginormous checks needed to make, market, and release a movie. Still, I love genre fiction. We don't need uh, uh, the Oscars to validate our fun. On a purely personal, I find that I love my genre of fun in books, podcasts, and television much more than in film. None of the 2017 genre offerings were entertaining, let alone good. That's a rant for another time. Thanks for the great podcast. Well, thanks for uh, writing in. Appreciate yeah, your uh, your feedback. Yeah. So, what did you think absolutely. about? What do you think about what the way he wrapped this up here? Yeah, I don't think we need to – what you said, we don't need the, the Oscars to validate our fun and what we like. <laughs> there, is a, there is a sense where I agree. You know, when you look at the Marvel movies, one of the complaints is like the Marvel movies kind of have the same story arc, same plot line in every movie. Or, you know, like, are they been criticized for that? Um, and so I understand what he's saying that they're kind of rehashing stuff. There are very few – truly original ideas mm. when it comes to science fiction. That doesn't necessarily bother me. I love that. I love what comes out. Oh, me too. But, but that's a valid, uh, it is a valid yeah, it's a valid, it's a valid thing. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. But well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, writing in. All right. Well, thank you for staying tuned with us. Sorry, this is a little bit longer a podcast talking about Super Bowl commercials and you get Michael Jan on. It just takes a little bit longer to get through stuff, but it was a awesome show and we're so glad that you're still here with us. Um, and uh, if you're going to Farpoint, we're going to be there this weekend so you can uh, make sure to hit us up. But I believe that is about it. All right. Well, it was great to uh, hang out with Mike and, and you all tonight. Uh, so next time, good night and good luck. We'll see you. Do your dailies. Oh, neither. <laughs> neither one. I'm giant and a dead fan. This is my worst nightmare. Oh, sorry. <laughs> losing your connection. I um, can't hear sorry. anything. Not no, coming too clear. I, yeah, something's wrong with the connection. Scott. <laughs> you should just cancel right now. <laughs> You're oh. You, it, I, just get here. <laughs> giant crap and... <laughs>
Okay, um. <laughs> I don't respect any of the New York teams because they buy their success. They don't earn their success. Oh, uh, this is a different. This is a different podcast. Oh. No, I know. The Yankees are going to be under the salary cap this year. You know, right? Oh my God, what happened? Is somebody sick? It's an austerity program. Wow, that's impressive. That's actually very impressive. I like the baseball. Anyway, so science fiction. Yes. Was it last year's far point or the year before where you had to suffer the indignity of wearing? Orioles apparel. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> he's he's, he's still curled in a paw about that. You know. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to remind you of something painful. I uh, I did I did uh, um, last year and two and two last year and three years ago I did have to to do that. But you, Miles, you'll be happy to know that this year the indignity will be suffered by the other side. Okay. The Yankees did rather well this year. There you go. As a I former New Yorker, that is going to be huge. Fourth, it'll be. I'll be okay. <laughs> Very good. Yeah.